Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Terra Nova. Um, my name is Nat Marshall. I serve as one of the lay elders here. It's, it's a real privilege. It, it really is. It's an honor for me to be here um, bringing the word of God to you this morning. I'm, I'm glad you're all here. And um, so this time is a little different than all the other times, which are really three, <laughs> that I've gotten to preach. Um, each of those times, it was a topic that was just given to me. Pastor Tori said, here, preach on this. We're going through this sermon series. This is what it is. This time, he said, whatever you want. <laughs> and if you know me, like I could probably spend six months debating about what, what would be best. But I settled pretty quickly that I, I need to just speak from my heart about ground that I've covered with the Lord, and a big part of that has been the early part of Matthew chapter 5. And um, so we're just going to cover the first few verses of Matthew 5. And for whatever reason, even though there are like a thousand scriptures that this might happen to you with, God worked with me through these several times in my life, like darker times, um, he brought me back, I would say, from wandering, doubting, um, darker moods, things like that. And it was just a great help to me in those times to meet with Jesus through these very verses. And so this is, this is territory where I've spent some time. I love it. I kind of feel like we're going on a hike together. I'm going to take you up a mountain that I've been on before, and like I know it's going to be a cool hike, so let's go. And, um, and I don't know what it's going to be like when we actually get up there, but so come with me. So now's the time. Turn to your, in your Bible to Matthew 5. If you've got it on your phone, go to the app. If you would like a paper Bible, there are stacks of them over there. Um, if you could either sneak over and get one, or if you raise your hand right now, it looks like Heidi would kindly bring you one. Um, first, I'd, I, I need to let you know something of where I'm coming from today. Um, I, I prepared this message three weeks ago. And a couple days later, I got a text and it was one of those texts that changes your life. And so it was that my, my dad had had a stroke. Uh, so I got in the car, hightailed it off to Pennsylvania, and that afternoon he died. Um, so the last few weeks have been full and hard and good. And um, when I got back um, earlier this week, Pastor Tori said, Nat, do you, do you still want to preach this Sunday? Because you don't have to. And I, I'm pretty sure I could have gotten a free pass on this one. But, um, but we were, you know, I, I thought, we're going to do Matthew 5. And, like, I've needed this before. I need it now. It still means something to me now. So let's, let's do it. So I'm glad to be here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Seeing the crowds, 
he, Jesus, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So we're, we're going to need a road map for our journey. Uh, maybe it's more like a trail map this, this week. But we're going to go up the mountain. We're going to sit at Jesus' feet. And he's going to talk to us there. He's going to tell us about the kingdom. And the, while we're on this journey, the, the main idea that I have for the, the overarching theme, I guess, is I can't put it any clearer or better than, than this verse in James. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So let's draw near. Let's jump into verse 1. Um, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So let's, let's linger here a bit. It's easy to rush past a verse like this to kind of get to the content later, right? But if we put ourselves in the scene, like, what kind of mountain is this? Uh, Jesus went up a mountain. And we know this is the beginnings of his public ministry. If you read the chapter before it, you can see he's been healing, he's been teaching, giving good news already. He's gathering quite a crowd. People are interested. Um, so he goes up the mountain maybe to get a little space. And I uh, just looked a few things up on Google, Google Maps and things like that. And it's, it's here, roughly here, on the north shore of that lake, <laughs> the Sea of Galilee. And um, that, that photo I found online, that's from about where they think the Sermon on the Mount was preached. So I, I thought that's pretty cool. Like, like, at this time, Jesus... Did he actually look out and see, like, those hills in the distance? That's, that's neat. Um, to me, it looks kind of like we're overlooking Lake George from one of the mountains. And I wonder, did the people there know? Did, did they know that what they were going to hear would change their life? Like, did they realize that this would be one of the greatest messages ever taught and that 2,000 years later, around the world, we'd, we'd still be talking about these very words today. I don't know. I don't think they knew that. <laughs> but in verse 1, you can, you can see there were crowds and there were disciples. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So the, the crowds, they, many of them might have been in it for the excitement, uh, the, the healings, the you know, there's a buzz going around. But the disciples, they came to him, and, and they, they sat at his feet, and they didn't know what he was going to say, but they were there to listen. And, and I just want to ask, like, okay, which one, which one are we going to be? Which, which one are you going to be? Where do you find yourself this morning? Um, if you... Well... Many will be involved in the, on the periphery of the Christian life or the church world, that kind of thing. Um, fewer will be his disciples. And wherever you are, 
I want you to hear you're invited in. If you find yourself in the crowds this morning, you, you're invited closer. You're invited to draw near, to come and sit at Jesus' feet. I was reminded of a story, a true story, a little paragraph from over in Luke 10, and we won't turn there now. I'll just kind of summarize it. But there were these two sisters, and they invited Jesus over to the house. And one of the sisters named Martha, well, she was busy. And it, it says, the scripture says she was distracted with much serving. And isn't that perfect? Like, you know exactly what to picture. Distracted with much serving. Um, the other sister named Mary, it says she sat at the Lord's feet and listened. And maybe you heard the story before. Maybe, maybe you can just imagine how it would go. The, the busy serving sister kind of complained about the other one. And she said to Jesus, like, can't you get her to help me? Can't you see I'm busy here? And, and what did he say? He said, Martha, Martha. He said her name twice. I, I, maybe to get her attention. Maybe, maybe it was a compassion thing. I, I feel like sometimes he needs to say my name twice to get me to listen. He said, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about so many things. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part. I won't take that away from her. So I just encourage you, go read that. Later, go read, find that in Luke 10. It's so good. If you're going to talk about this message in your tribes later, maybe that's like a paragraph to to dig in. Um, Mary sat at his feet and listened, and his disciples came to him up on the mountain and listened, and we have times that we, we need to do that too. We need to have times when we're sitting at Jesus' feet and we're not trying to be efficient and we're not trying to multitask. And, and sometimes when we're not even serving, like serving's important, serving in the church is important, you all should sign up, you know. But, but there are, that needs to come out of times when you're just sitting with Jesus, listening. Um, Jesus would invite you. He would, he'd be receptive to that. We know in Hebrews 3 that we were studying several weeks ago, we were told to consider Jesus. And you don't consider something in like a split second. Considering takes longer. Um, Dennis, Pastor Dennis, a few weeks ago, he, he stood up here and he said, acknowledge him acknowledge Jesus and I think that's a good place to start because frankly I know you can you can sit down and open up your Bible and read it and the whole time you're keeping God at arm's length you you can do your quote unquote quiet time you can do this reading and not even acknowledge Jesus. So start with that. I, sometimes, what's it look like? Sometimes it, it might even seem silly, but like when I go into my room in the morning and I sit down for this time, a lot of times I will say, 
good morning, Lord. <laughs> and just something like that, like, good morning, Lord, I'm, I'm here. You know, I, I have a friend from another part of my life. I don't see him very much. Um, but every few months, we, we meet over at some diner in Schenectady at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And we pick the time, we pick the place, and we do what it takes. We get up early, and we're groggy, and we go. But, but we meet there. And, and the, it's the time with my friend that is special and means something. And um, it's not a perfect analogy, but sometimes when I go in to meet with the Lord... I'm kind of reminded of this, like, you got to pick the time, you got to, you got to arrange the place and, and go and meet. And we are not going there to get a check mark in a box. Um, we are not going to a, achieve something. We're going, it's the time with someone that is important. It's the time with Jesus. And I remember something that John, JBM, said a month ago. I feel like every sermon now has to have a quote from him. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he was talking, he stood up here a month ago or so and was talking about spending time in our Bibles. And, And he said, and I wrote it down, probably, he said, do this, and probably nothing will happen but over time it does. And, man, that just rings true. It rang true to me, so thanks. Um, Okay, verse two. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Okay, so so funny it says he opened his mouth, right? Because how else is he going to speak? And one of the authors I read called this an unexpected and unnecessary phrase. (laughs) But it, it sets a certain tone, doesn't it? Like a weightiness, a gravity, like he, he opened his mouth. He's about to speak. What's he going to say? And so we can come with that expectancy. This, this verse, if I ended at verse 2, this would be like a cliffhanger, right? We'd, if it was Netflix, we'd probably let it play right through to the next episode, right? Um, I, I had that. I had that cliffhanger here once. And I'll just tell you, like, it was years ago. I had set a goal that I would memorize Matthew chapter five, the whole thing, and I was on my second day, so I was on. I was on the second verse, and just as a as an aside, I I gotta say. The times that I have done something like that, uh, memorizing a larger chunk of scripture, I cannot tell you how good it has been, like how very personal it gets. Um, I, I just got if if that intrigues you at all, this is a total side point, but you can do it. I, I would just encourage you to jump into that and come talk to me if you want. Um, but anyway, this was one of those times, and I was on my second day. And the way I would do it is I would mull over the new verse for the day like pretty much all day long. And so there was literally a day in my life where I thought hundreds of times and he opened his mouth and taught them saying 
and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And by the end of the day, I, was, I knew it, but I was like, saying, I can't wait to get to the next thing. Like, oh, like what's verse three gonna be? I, I'm excited to get to that. Excited to move on. And, and that's kind of how it can be. As disciples, we can have a growing hunger to spend time with him and almost an eagerness to. And we might be asking for help with that. We can say, like, like Psalm 119 says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So we need his help. All right, verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so begins this first thing that Jesus would say to us, this kind of counterintuitive thing, this revolutionary thing. This is talking about how things really are, not just how they appear. This is life in the kingdom. And some of you know Ed, Pastor Ed Marcel. He was the founding pastor of this church years ago. And he said about this verse, he said, it's the basic principle of the kingdom of heaven that you cannot earn this. You cannot earn this. So what is it to be poor in spirit? Um, I'm not going to like rigidly define this, but it's basically when you're broken and you're broke. Like you're, you realize you're spiritually broke. You're in great need. And if we can put a few words from the Psalms up, it's like when you can, when you can relate to this, you're poor in spirit. So, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there's no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. And the next one. uh, May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. The next one, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. when, When you can relate to those, that's when you're poor in spirit. When you know you don't have much to offer. You you can't quite figure it out. Things are, you're in over your head. You even look in your own heart and you see sin there and brokenness there. That's being poor in spirit. And I, th- I think to truly repent, that's how we need to be. See, we don't, we don't come to God and hand him our resume. We don't, we don't tell him our list of accomplishments and then he accepts us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, it says. So if theirs is the kingdom of heaven, like, so are they poor? Or do they have everything? Jesus says to the poor in spirit, you're actually blessed. You're actually blessed. It might feel like you're poor, but you're rich. Because there's a reality 
a true reality that is more than we can see now. And the, the kingdom of heaven is so real that um, having a share in it now makes the poor in spirit blessed. And as you meditate over days, weeks, months on that verse alone, like you can ponder that. Work that out with the Lord and you, you, might, be, you might be comforted. You, you might be excited about it. There's a lot to enjoy there. You can, you can let yourself enjoy that. As you ponder there, you might also have come into your mind things in ways that we have not been poor in spirit, but rather have been, you know, quite confident in our own selves sometimes. And one way this can happen is like our, our own opinions can get magnified. And our our own opinions can become like little gods to us that we, we have to serve, right? So maybe that's happening, maybe it's not, but it is something that that does happen. We, we can become so used to being disappointed in others or disapproving of others that before long you're no longer extending grace to them. When that happens, you're, you're not poor in spirit. You have a critical spirit. And I, I actually want to take time to read a parable. This is from Luke 18. It'll, it should be on the screen. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar, far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I also want to read a, something from the book of Revelation. It's a warning. It says, For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So you see, it's, it's possible to think you're just fine and you don't need anything. But not realize that you're actually acting kind of what I'll call rich in spirit. <laughs> You're not acting poor in spirit. But the, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. So we, we can be blind here. And blindness, I, I think one way, like a litmus, litmus, litmus test for it, might be when you come around other people. Because um, it's all well and good to be poor in spirit when you're alone in your own house. Right, and and you you can even acknowledge the theology of it. Like, yes, I am a sinful man, right? But what happens when you come to church and somebody wants you to change? <laughs> what happens when somebody criticizes you? What happens when somebody wants you to grow in a way that you haven't? Um, 
do the, do the defenses go up right away? Do you immediately start justifying yourself and trying to prove your own righteousness? In the kingdom, that's not how it is supposed to work, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's how we come to him. We cry out, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So we could, we could dwell on these verses for a long time. I've been preaching a while. It's, we're only three verses in, right? But it's easy to kind of quickly get the gist of it and move on. But there is enough here for a long time, <laughs> There's enough here for a lifetime. Uh, I just want to ask, do you take time to savor the word and chew on every word and talk with the Lord about it? You can, you can pray about things that come into your mind as you read. You can, you can ponder what it means. You can think about that. You can let it form you. You can come honestly when distractions come in and temptations and doubts and things. You can talk with the Lord about that. They're not hidden from him. Um, and you might, over time, end up finding that you, you cherish those times. And you remember them. And then you, you can understand what like Psalm 1 was talking about when it says, like, there's someone whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 119, which may be on the screen, talks about this a lot, but just a few verses like, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Okay, so let's, let's move on. We have one more verse. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You may mourn a loss. You can mourn a loss of somebody that you love. That's what I'm doing these days. You can mourn for the brokenness of the world. You can mourn over your own sin. None of these happen in the abstract or general. These all become very specific and personal, don't they? So in that very personal and specific way that you may be mourning, you can come to Jesus. He'll meet you in in those specifics. And even through... This verse, you can let him minister to you. Because he says, those who mourn are actually blessed. Blessed. I can't really preach what needs to be preached to your heart here on this. Go spend the time with the Lord on it. But somehow our, our blessedness is tied to our future comfort. And I think that's talking about the time like that day when he will wipe away every tear, when death shall be no more, and there will be no more mourning, it says. 
But I think, I think this verse goes even deeper and it happens even sooner than that too because I've experienced in the last few weeks as people comfort each other, as the Lord uses them to comfort us, what does it do? It draws people closer. It really does. And <clears throat> excuse me, and, and we can find we are blessed in that. It's true. So to wrap up, back to our main idea, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I just want to say do it. Wait in. The valuable part is not in like whatever points I can extract and then tell you. The, the value is in uh, the, the meeting with Jesus and walking with him. And there, there's enough food here for a lifetime. So let's slow down and and listen to him. If you, let's say you moved on, you'll get to verse five, the meek shall inherit the earth, and you'll, you'll be forced to think about, like, what's meek? And you can work that out with him. Like, is it even good? And, like, and then you'll realize, wait, the meek people are going to inherit the earth? So, like, they're like secret nobility? Or they're like, they're like undercover inheritors of the kingdom? And, and wow. You might get to verse 6. It talks about hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you'll read about who the ones are. of All the people seeking satisfaction in this world, who are the ones that will be satisfied? It's those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, not after the pleasures of sin. And Maybe that'll ring true. Maybe these are things to work out with the Lord. And you'll fail to live up even to your own standards. But remember the, the basic principle of the kingdom from verse three, that you cannot earn this. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You're, you're spiritually broke. But the good news is that what you can't earn, Jesus freely gives. As the band comes up, I, I'm, I'm gonna read a verse from 2 Corinthians 8, verse nine. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. See, for those that are in Christ, God makes us righteous, not by our own efforts or our own righteousness, but by the righteousness of Christ. It's on the basis of his death and resurrection for us that we are made right. And so we can draw near. We can draw near with confidence. We can draw near to him and he'll be near to us. In just a moment, you'll be invited to these tables for communion, which is simply remembering Christ and his death for us. And if you know Christ as your savior, you're, you're welcome to come to the table and remember him. You may be feeling poor in spirit, but yours is the kingdom of heaven, so, so come, come. Uh, if you don't know him, maybe you're feeling something, maybe the start of some hunger pangs, maybe a longing to sit at his feet, if something is stirring in you, don't push that away. Draw near to him. And 
You may want to talk to somebody here. You could talk to any of us up here. There may be people going to pray over there after the service. There usually are now. I don't know for sure. Um, go pray. But what, whatever you do, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you.